Every day we hoistle in at Pilots and Pictards Podcast. Alright, welcome back, Hoisters. This is the extended discussion for the pilot unsolved titled Wherever It Leads. If you would like a spoiler free, check out our previous released episode and you can get all that info, background, and decide whether you want to watch this show or not. Now, we are going to let the spoilers flow like wine and we're going to start with part two. This is our filmic analysis and interpretation. I'm Jimbo, the anti-millennial, non-conforming, existentialist, pilot critic, and Kenny of the podcast. And I'm the magically undefeated Miss Mo, master of spoilers and the lover of nobos. A returning hoistler, we have Ari, lover of TV. Petard's a real word. You can look it up later. And we'd like to thank today's sponsors, public libraries, for the ad-free listening. You can contact us to sponsor a show or slander a rival. And if you enjoyed today's ad-free entertainment, then you owe us. We could stack crooked ads. We could create sob stories. But we don't. Repay your debt by leaving us an iTunes review or telling someone else about our podcast. And as always, we are going to start with our Crab Man Award. The Crab Man Award goes to a character with a small role, but that gives large contributions to the pilot. And so I was, uh, I was kind of feeling crabless on this one. I feel like everyone that I that I liked was a pretty dominant role. Well, I feel like the character that I chose for a crab man was not, he had a large contribution, but he, he kind of had a small role, which was Detective Brian. Who was that? The guy who gave um, Detective Greg his telling him that he was going to be um, on the case for Tupac. Right, that's his boss. He had a couple of lines in there that I really liked. He actually had the first line of the name of the episode, which is wherever it leads. Yeah, so listeners, Ari has like three pages of notes, front and back. Yeah. She got six pages of notes there. <laughs> Did he show up other than, he showed up kind of a lot, right? I could also give it to Lieutenant Paul, who I was not really paying attention to. It was like one one of those scenes that I wasn't really focusing in on the first time I watched it. And then he kind of brought me in because he called Russell Poole out and was basically like, we're not about to drag this black cop in the mud when a white cop shot him. And that was like, a, and he kind of like shut Russell Poole up, who was trying to basically, you know, he was trying to say that uh, the black cop was like, you know, dirty. And so he kind of stopped him. He's like, we're not, we're not about to do that when he just got killed by a white cop. The politics are all over this episode. I mean, our series in general, like the politics are real and it makes, it makes things difficult. And, and even right off the bat, like Russell, like you could already tell this guy's a bit of a kooky dude and he's just, he's just ready to dive into like a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Both those guys are kind of similar roles as far as like, they both have a pretty big presence throughout the series. I have one more crab man. Cause I, you know what I was doing? I was trying to get one from each. Maybe. So for 1993, mine was, um, the girl <laughs> who was like, oh. they were about to drive off with, um, Biggie and the girl and the girl goes, and then this guy who's not in the scene says, I'm hungry. And she's like, I got you fat burger. Oh yeah. I love that part. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> Okay, I think that's that's, that's a, a solid crab. Yeah, yeah, that's a solid crab burger. Crab burger girl. <laughs> crab burger girl. By unanimous decision, our first ever 
Crab Burger Girl. That's a good one. All right. So now, Hoisters, we are going to move into our MVP for any new listeners. This is the most valuable part of the pilot. It can be anything on or off screen. And I would like to finish with my MVP because I think that'll transition into our literary analysis well. Uh, go ahead, Ari. The thing about two, I didn't care for Tupac and Biggie's acting, but I was, I think I was intrigued by the friendship that this episode showed that they had. And um, I did like the rapping scene with them too. That was that scene, and then the last scene, which you're going to talk about. I won't go into that. I I I appreciated both of those scenes, and they, I felt like you know, it made me feel like oh, you know, like I felt. I felt I was I felt it. I think the friendship is dramatized a bit. Like they were at least acquaintances and they were cool with each other. I'm not sure necessarily how close their friendship was in real life. That that was one of the things I wanted to get like like someone's response on as well. But that little like rap freestyle scene was was just really fun. Like like I definitely got into it. Back to your statement about you thought Tupac was what was the word you said? Like, like hype? He was hype? Yeah. Okay. So I definitely remember. Supposedly, like Tupac was drunk and high all the time. So I think that maybe fits into like how he would have acted. I feel like he was taking his character based off of his music, and in his music, he is—he mm. has a lot of energy in his music. Did this guy listen to the music a lot and take the character based off of his music? Because I'm sure that that there was. There had to be something a little different, you know? Watching yeah, the doc, too, though, he, he was, I guess, a little bit... He was had a lot of energy to him, but I don't know. And the other thing with Tupac is the guy's an actor, so it's really interesting as well, like, how much of him being a gangster was a front to make money, and he thought that was good business choices, versus, like, how much of it is him, like, legitimately wanting to live, like, a gangster lifestyle. And we could maybe dangle that as well so there's so there's some nice little nit bits in in that pilot episode what were you gonna say Mo? Uh, no. i was just gonna touch on the scene uh biggie and tupac how tupac felt so like you know hyper and energetic to the point where you're like is he on coke like what's going on here <laughs> like maybe i don't know he probably was maybe high on coke Could have too. Been. he had the money he did and you, you could probably get the best coke too the scene that really I thought was went too far with digging into who like Tupac was with when is when he referred to Machiavelli the on the coffee table and he just and then he quoted the line which I don't it's like there's only two emotions that humans function off of love and fear love and fear or some shit I don't remember I just I didn't like that. Well, that whole scene where he's showing him his books, it's like, oh, wow, they just wrapped Tupac up in one scene. And I just felt like it was too staged. Like, it was too, like... Yeah, I don't I don't even know if that even goes with what you guys were saying before, but I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> them, him talking about, like, his music to acting to showing him a book to, like, showing him guns. Like, really? All in yeah. one scene? Yeah, see, that's... So that... I completely agree. That's where... They were using so many cheap tricks. Like it was like, like those may have all come off of his Wikipedia page. Like for all, you know, like, <laughs> so yeah. So like, I mean, they, they didn't develop those characters well. They just kind of cashed in on what people are already familiar with. 
which was also one one of my literary analysis. So, so I did think that it was kind of cool that they did portray Tupac as an intellectual. It is cool to see someone like his character, someone that every you know that is super popular, legendary, and then showing that side of him like he's not just a gangster thug, like he's an intellectual person, like he takes he takes like learning and knowledge like very serious. I don't know if they did a good good enough job yeah, of that. They though. could have just delivered that better. Yeah, that was one thing that if this show was all about Tupac and Biggie, maybe, maybe they could have done it a little better. Yeah, because the thing is, is that it was about them, but it's really about the detectives. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll tie this to my my MVP, which was the scene with Russell, Detective Russell Poole, and um, Biggie's mom, Violetta Wallace, Mrs. Wallace. She, um, I just put Miss Wallace in the notes, but that scene was really powerful because one, she was like her son's advocate in two of those decades, two of those times, right? She was his advocate when she stood up to Russell and said, why the fuck haven't you called me? Right. And then 10 years later, when she files the lawsuit and says, you know, you, you the LAPD had something to do with this, but, um, I just thought that. She was just a badass mom, and the way she described what it must be like, I'm sure she was like an immigrant mom listening to these vile like rap lyrics and not understanding anything, but then also respecting the storytelling behind it. I thought it was just really powerful, and I don't know. It just made me feel sad and for the real Miss Wallace. It was her only son, her only child. Yeah, she had a very strong performance in that pilot. Yeah, Aisha Aisha Hines, man. She's a beast. Yeah, she also played um Harriet Tubman in The Underground. Yeah, I just really wanted to talk about that scene, or that was my MVP, pulling that whole storyline. Because I didn't know that. I didn't know that she straight up sued the LAPD. Good for her. I want to know if she won or not. She probably didn't. It's in the show, but she didn't. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> so my M- MVP... It it was a scene that I thought was really corny the first time I watched it. So at the very end of the show, Tupac and Biggie and their buddies are all outside playing with guns, but they're real guns, but they're playing guns like they're little kids. And I think like on the second viewing, I really like that scene because it shows the innocence of these characters, like like these young black men. And they're all like in their early 20s. And they're playing like in the sprinkler, just like little kids. And it's show, you know, like, so it gives you that connection. Like these are still like young men or maybe even not even men. Like they're still kind of boys and like, you know, they're playing with legit assault rifles and Glocks and real weapons. So it shows you both like both sides. I really liked that scene. And while it's happening actually is when they say, you know, Tupac died when he was 25 and Biggie died when he was 23, I think was when he died that is like in your ear, ringing in your ear as you watch these, they look like kids. They literally look like kids. I thought that was probably like the most brilliant direction choice of the whole show. And it also made you like your heart hurt. Cause it was like, God, they were so young. They didn't even have a chance to like mature and, and see things, you know, see their life differently and make different choices yet. It's almost like humanizing them. Yeah, it did. They weren't these just like tough guys who, you know, lived 
you know, we're all about that street life. And they were actually in that scene came off as really soft <laughs> in a way and just playful. And you don't really see, you know, quote unquote, gangster, like gangster types being playful like that. I agree. Strong finish to the pilot and very, very nice storytelling. I had one more. We could maybe the the first murder that that we watch is the white cop killing the black cop. The white cop's undercover. He looks like white trash, but he instigates that whole altercation. It doesn't turn out well for the other guy, who's obviously not innocent in this in this uh, interaction. But it is kind of it is an interesting. This shooting ties two cops to the biggie murder. Well, it also really shows you the climate of what's happening at that air at that time. Like I thought it was like a really great way to show what it's like. Undercover cops are instigating black men to like find a reason to like arrest them or kill them in that situation. And I thought that was like, I thought that was a really great setup because it was like one, it made me, me angry, but it also made me like, yeah, I mean, that's that what, that's what happens, you know? And then even the way the cop, when they find the guy who's dead and he's just like, oh yeah, like he doesn't have a name. His name is like, whatever. And, and the, and Russell Poole is like telling him like, well, he got shot. So like, you need to be a little more, basically like you need to be a little more respectful. And then, then they find out that it's a cop. Like even that whole scene really shows like. There's at least one other scene in the show where, where one of the cops is talking about how like all the cops in LA carry burner guns in case they they kill someone that's not that's unarmed you said what when did it say that i missed that no no that's in another episode like a later episode it's like this show definitely reveals how dirty like lapd was especially in the 90s i think those cops would argue that that's i mean like when you're undercover and you're in like gang units you kind of maybe have to play by those rules. Like, as you know, so I don't know. I mean, like, like I can't really say much as a, as an outsider, but they, they were playing by really crazy rules. Yeah. That was a strong intro, which we didn't mention in our high points, but that, that opening scene was really strong. I, I found myself just Googling most of that episode. I'm like, Oh my God, did this happen? And I like searched all about that, that guy. And I'm like, like, how did they just sweep this under the rug? And I would just, what they totally probably did. They just swept it under the rug, paid off his family or whoever, even tried to stand up for him. And that was it. These things really happen. Like, it's, it's crazy. Real. They <laughs> happened. Like, it's dramatized, but the plot points are not dramatized. Like, this is real life. Yeah, that made me really angry, too. And it's like, wow, so much has changed. Not like it's been 20 years. Well, we can come back to this as well. I, I have maybe a different perspective to, to try and argue at least. So now we're going to move into part three. We're going to step outside of the pilot and we're going to talk about related themes to the show or series. And so to the stage, Mo. We have Stormy Daniels dangling threads of interest. And we will wait for our pragmatic Cyclops to give us some Stormy news next time. And so, yeah, so my so my dangling thread, it's related to what we were just talking about. It's also related to that that podcast episode of This American Life that I mentioned, especially the series 
there's this conflict between systemic racism, but then also it's like versus people of color having huge distrust of police to the point where they don't cooperate. And so I thought that is an interesting topic to maybe start with. Something I uh, was really like kind of hit me that I was blown away by in that podcast was I think it was a professor who says when he starts off his classes, he talks about like he Mm. spoke about um, how there was a time, like, could you believe that there was a time where like, you know, someone would be like brutally murdered in front of hundreds of people and people would watch and like bring popcorn, like it was a show. And then like, would take pieces of the body home as a, as a, as a, like, as a souvenir. And then to go to now where like black men are being killed by the police, like when was there a chance for people to trust? Like, do you know what I mean? There's been so much his bad history over time. And I am like, I know I'm forgetting things too. Yeah. And there's, so like there's, there's two legal system or there's, sorry, the legal system, and then the medical system. Those are two huge systems that have taken advantage of people of color, especially African-Americans, for a long time. You said the legal system? The legal system? Uh-huh. I mean, to incorporate, you know, laws and police. Mm-hmm. And then the the medical system. Right, right. Research and... Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, there's such a long history of being taken advantage of but then like at the same time so you have tupac and biggie that no one's ever arrested for their murders and part of you is like oh yeah that's racist if those were two if those were two white singers and actors they would have arrested someone they would have found it but then at the same time it's like well you know what everyone that could have given information didn't because they don't talk to cops and there's like this culture of like yeah, yeah especially so during like, that time yes oh of course like in the 90s like you the riots were maybe five years from there. They handled it themselves. Yeah. That's like the whole point of like, that's yes. how games came, came, came about because they couldn't trust the police. So they, you know, they vowed to trust themselves. Like somebody probably did handle Biggie's death. It's possible that whoever killed Biggie did get killed because a lot of people have gotten killed. So many people have gotten killed over the years who were either bloods or crips that like, we wouldn't know. Maybe one of them did kill Biggie and was it was handled without the without the police. Yeah, and so if, if anyone's actually interested in, in who did what, then check out um the the main the main investigator on the second investigation, the Greg Kading. He's he's the guy. Like he like he knows it all. He doesn't have any conspiracy theories. So so Russell Poole, he th- he believed and he wrote books and he tried to get, he tried to send stuff to the DA and he tried to get reporters to report on things. He thought that the police department was responsible for Biggie's death, like professional hitmen, like that Suge Knight paid the police department to take out Biggie. And so that's what, and then he thought that the LAPD was purposely preventing him from investigating that as part of a conspiracy theory. So his, so his ideas are a little more wild. And then Kading's just like, you know what? Like these are, he goes in, there's really no evidence to back up like Russell Poole's ideas. And because like it's a conspiracy theory, like all you have to do is just focus on what you can't find information for. And so Kading's just like, you know, it's kind of just, that's what happens when you have gangs with a lot of money and they all carry guns and they're all hanging out in similar spots. 
And so Biggie was like revenge for Tupac. And Tupac was a blood and crip like gang battle. That's so that's his conclusion. Puff Daddy hired the Crips for security because him and Suge were getting into it, like Bad Boy versus Death Row. Right. It just escalates, you know, like Tupac gets shot in New York, he blames Puffy for that, and then he joins Death Row Records, and so it's just like and Death Row Records is all bloods. And so yeah, at the end of the day, like, you know, you live by the gun, you you, you die by the gun. And that's and that's what kind of gets back to like was you know, like Tupac, man, just he really is a tragic dude. Like he had it all, man. He had every talent you could possibly want and success, fame, and then just got, you know, too much, man. Got got too much involved in the wrong crowd. I I still want to know more about Tupac and know more about like his whole story from Baltimore to Oakland to LA, like So he was born in Harlem and then relocated to LA. 10 or 11 years of his life in New York and then moved to LA. I think his mom was also part of the Black Panther Party, too. She was a Black Panther, single mother. I just, his story is interesting. Yeah, yeah, he has has layers for sure, because it's like, I just, I just wonder. I'm so interested. If he was, he seems like a very intellectual and deep person. Would he really go out like that on something so superficial as, you know, Bloods versus Crips? Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> unfortunately. You think so? Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's footage of him starting an altercation where a bunch of guys from Death Row jump a guy right outside of a Mike Tyson fight. Like, that's like that's why he, he was killed. Like, it shows him just sock a guy that had just, like, a week ago got in a fight with one of the Crips or one of the Bloods. So, I mean, like, yeah, it, it comes down was to... Was Biggie like, a Crip then? But he also, like, he had a troubled life, you know? Like, his... You can be very intelligent and still be super troubled, super... Have a lot of rage, have a lot of anger, and hang up, hang out with the wrong people and never fall back from it. And I believe he would have if he had a few more years to live. I really do. I, yeah, I completely agree. I think I think anyone that listens to his music, like, his passion, like, he is... I think that's what really separates him from from other artists, especially like he is so passionate from like both sides, like gangster thug side. He's very passionate and intense, but also like social activists. He's also extremely passionate and intense. And, you know, like he's a male chauvinist, but he's also a huge feminist at times as well. So, I mean, such like such a complex guy. And I really think he would have grown up. Yeah. And if you listen to his songs, I mean, like if you listen to his songs, I've I've actually always wanted because you because you can see two Tupacs, like it's it's clear that he is he's a storyteller, and like how much is of his story is him performing, and how much of it is like that's the person he wants to be, like that's that's what I think make think makes him such an interesting dynamic character. Like again, I I really recommend the Snoop interview because I feel like that is like an example of like this is like Tupac's peer like this is Biggie's peer like and and when you and when you hear this interview I'm like oh okay like I'm not saying that Tupac would have been just like Snoop or whatever or they are equivalent in terms of and Snoop is like really humble he's way more humble than I thought he was but like he talks about his past and he talks about things and he talks about his murder trial and a, and and how a lot of things changed him and the way that 
the way that he is today, which is like this peaceful, like, <laughs> he seems like a peaceful guy. Uh, you hear all these things about Snoop Dogg and, and who he was in the 90s or how he was perceived in the 90s. Like, he was just really this, like, I don't know. Um, and he was, it wasn't Tupac, I mean, Snoop Dogg a crip at one point, too. According to Snoop Dogg, from what I gathered from this interview is Snoop Dogg makes it sound like he was just like fronting as being a gangster. I mean, that's definitely in his songs. He raps about it. For sure. So so he so he says that he was just like playing off of that to sell records. And that was just like an image thing. And he claims that 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 he wasn't doing that like off like off the screen like that wasn't him. Like Snoop says, like Tupac got too much, like like got too far into it. Like I don't necessarily believe him. Everything he says, like I think he was probably more involved in gangs than he wants us to believe because he's a changed person now. And he's a dad. <laughs> I don't think he's necessarily purposely being deceitful. I think you just rewrite yourself as you age and get older as well. So I would say that I don't necessarily believe that he was as disconnected as he's saying he was, but he's definitely saying Tupac was blurring that line way too much i keep a blue flag hanging on the back side oh yeah dude snoop snoop, snoop was yeah, all about that yeah <laughs> that's like the first line i thought of when he's like i'm not a crip but it's like you rap about being a crip <laughs> and he's like the godfather like everyone like looks you know exhibit and eminem and all those guys like look up to snoop and so suge knight is a crip suge knight is a blood suge knight is a super gangster dude like that guy like I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying super gangster as in like, I'm not saying that's positive like connotation cool of gangster. I mean like negative connotation of gangster. Like he'll, like, he'll kill a baby, like he'll murder a baby. Suge Knight will kill you. In fact, he's in jail. He's in jail right now. He's like three years into a 28 year sentence. He's like the kingpin in jail. He he's in jail for running over that that dude like on camera from his own footage, his own security footage. Guy, don't give a fuck. He's like, oh, I record everything that happens in front of my house, including me running over this guy. He's nuts. And like that guy had to do with the filming of the of the NWA movie. I think the altercation started because he was pissed off at someone at the movie or something like that with something that they were filming. That's what he did that for. <laughs> um, he was in a fist fight with him, and that ends with night clipping the man with his pickup truck and running over a businessman terry carter who died with his injuries i mean that's a scary level of rage like you you're just out of control and that's what i'm saying like being someone like suge knight being in jail he's like at home there like that's i mean yeah, it's and not to his an first extent, time you know it's like he's comfortable he's fine all right so we are going to move into part four this is the fun and nonsensical part and Hoisters, we have a very special host for Petard Trivia. Mo is going to take on Yay! the host responsibility this week. Take it from here, Mo. So one thing that I really enjoy when I Google rappers in particular is what their birth names are. Okay, so what I'll do is I'll like give you the birth name and then I'll give you two options. Okay. Because th that way, because then you guys are just not going to get any of them. I'm not going to know. Right. I like that. Yeah, I, I stopped listening to rap probably in 2002, so. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Ari, what is your buzzer going to sound like? Boop. And how about you, Jimbo? Pock. Okay, this is easy, but whatever. 
Christopher George Latour Wallace. Puck. Yep. Uh, that is the notorious B.I.G. Okay. 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 That was so easy. Yeah, but I, I wasn't sure if like the middle names would throw you guys off. I yeah, well, I had to wait for the last name because I wasn't. There's, I'm sure there's not the only you know more than one Christopher right. out there. <laughs> okay. Marion Hugh Knight. Oop. Mm-hmm. Suge Knight. Yep. 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 You got really? it. He's not a rapper. Context clues. Context I knew, you know clues. what? I knew that. I knew that. But I was like, is that his? Is that his son? Is his son a rapper that, that I don't know? Because he does have a son. Yeah, he's Shug technically Knight's a son producer. Is actually famous for saying Tupac was in like Cuba or Malaysia or some or something weird. <laughs> he's not dead. Yeah, Tupac's not dead. <laughs> okay. Calvin Cordazar. Puck. Is that Jay Z? No. Say the whole name again. Yeah. Calvin. Yeah. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> oh, nice. I know his his middle name's like a thousand words. Yeah, Calvin is his first name. Here we go. This is fun. Okay, ready for the next one? Alvin Nathaniel Joyner. I'll give you options. Is it Dr. Dre or is it Exhibit? Boop. Yes. I I want to go with one, but I really feel like it might be the other, which is Exhibit. It is Exhibit. Yeah, that had to be an exhibit. Dr. Dre's <laughs> got to be Andre, right? Yeah, it is. We'll do one more. Eric Lynn Wright. Is that Tupac or Easy E? <gasps> Boop. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. Easy E. Yeah. Yeah, that's dead giveaway. Okay, one more, one more. Lasan Parrish Crooks. Is that Tupac? Pac. Or... That's, that's Tupac. Yeah, it is. What's his name? Lasan, L E S A N E, Lasane or Lasan? Wow, I didn't even know his real name. Parish. Neither did I. I actually, I actually uh, came across that like last Friday night or whatever. I was doing my research. Yeah, right. Just googling a bunch of shit during the show. Cool. Well, I didn't keep track, so I no, think I think Ari won. Ty. So I think Hoisters, it's a if uh, <laughs> if she didn't, let let me know. <laughs> cool. All right, so that wraps up the show. If you can't tell by the plugs I'm about to announce, the show is officially over. And since we are running a bit long, we are going to go shop talkless tonight. We had plenty of shop talk early on. And so we would like to thank Jake Drew for the intro and outro music. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and join our Facebook group. Let's continue these conversations. If you want to jump in on systemic racism or distrust of police we would love to hear and read what you have to say so go to the website or our facebook group every day we hoistling jimbo out all right you guys anything else actually i, I kind of just um it's kind of late for me uh no thank you yeah thanks for thanks for joining us again 